it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Presents the pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwu Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 5.2 of the pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesley. In today's episode, you will go inside a prayer meeting the coaching staff had before the season. In the first half, the coaching staff will explain the ways in which prayer drives the entire program. In the second half, Senior Tanner Rubio will join to share about his journey to Indiana Wesleyan from a Division I school and what he was experiencing as he transitioned to an IM third culture. We're joined now by the entire coaching staff, and we're going to go back to a specific prayer meeting and what it meant for this season. And it really builds on what we talked about in episode one about just the theme of unconscious and how we become free of self. And that even applied to prayer. So Coach Tanago, why don't you start just talk about what you uh, insight you had heading into this prayer meeting and really what the design was as we went as a staff to prayer that day? I think I had more conviction than I did insight. I, I remember calling us to pray as we always do. And sometimes that's in the coach's office. Sometimes that's in the locker room when we really feel, I think, driven to play for our pr- players. And I remember uh, going down there and just challenging you guys um, that I had, I had felt myself telling God more about what I wanted him to do with my players or how he ought to change certain players. And I was really convicted that what if, what if I began to ask God what he wanted to do? And that was the starting point. So I just asked our staff to ask God for some discernment, listen closely to what he may want to do with a specific player or two. And it, we just basically went in the locker room and turned some worship music on and we all just went to each locker and prayed over locker and just asked God, hey, is there anything you would speak to us about these players rather than us tell you what you should do? And it was really remarkable. Uh, we got to the end and you go up to the whiteboard and you say, hey, let's just write down who was it, Coach Osborne, Coach Welty, write down who was it that God was speaking about and what was he speaking? Coach, what do you remember about what happened next? I remember going to the whiteboard and I, I just went to each coach and said, hey, who was laid upon your heart? And, and all of us had one, two, maybe maybe even a third player that we felt uh, God had just kind of moved our heart in a certain way. And we shared those things. And when we got done, all four of us uh, had listed Tanner and had listed a specific kind of prayer burden that God had laid upon our hearts for Tanner. And I want to get back to you, Coach, about what you think that means and how God works in prayer in a community. But first, let's go to you, Coach Osborne. Uh, Just talk in general about Tanner. Uh, We're going to hear his story in the second half, but what were you really noticing about him and what came to to life for you during that prayer time? Yeah, so I guess backtrack a little bit just to his visit here and um, you get to know him and uh, you're watching him play pickup and you just kind of get this insight as to the potential that he has and the joy that he could play the game with. And I think on his visit, kind of unlocked a little bit more of that and um, there was just some some excitement to, to get to watch that. And then you kind of fast forward, you're starting to get to know him more and more. And um, again, there just seemed to be a lot of things from his past or things that he was working through or hardships that he had faced um, that maybe was preventing him from maximizing his potential. Uh, and as a coach, just to see his personality and who he is and to just have a little bit of glimpse of, hey, it's going to take a little bit of time. 
but the player that he can become and the impact that he can make both on and off the court for this program uh, is pretty remarkable. So just to, to kind of feel this thing of, hey, freedom could be what could unleash him to be you know all that God has in store for him. Uh, I think during that time, uh, that's kind of where my heart was was burdened for him and, and just who he thought he could become. And, and there's this sense almost uh, from a good, pure place as a coach, I might say, man, I see this potential in Tanner. I'm going to ask God to let him live into his potential. But God spoke a specific word of freedom to all of us about Tanner in different ways. Coach, what do you think that says about prayer and just the power of praying in community? Well, I think what, one of the things we're learning, and I think this has been emphasized through Pastor Deneff, our, our pastors, is prayer is so much more listening than it is talking. And if we'll start you know, with a listening posture, we'd be amazed at what God can speak to us because at the end of the day, he's created each of our players. He's, he's, he's given them certain characteristics, certain personalities. And if we would attune ourselves to how he wants to reshape and form those personalities, uh, I just think there's amazing transformation that lies on the other end of that spectrum. And so our deep core conviction here is that, is that prayer uh, often is the starting point for our players' potential. And that's basketball potential included. If we want to make them the best basketball players we think they can be, it's going to start with prayer, which is going to yield uh, spiritual transformation, which then helps them become the best they can be. Say, most leaders who have faith in Christ would say prayer is important. But what I hear you saying is prayer is driving what we're doing. So, Coach Welty, this is your first year here. Can you give some insight? What did you see from the program this first year here when it comes to prayer? And, and what were some practical ways you grew in your own prayer life? Yeah, so coming into a new place, it's always interesting to see how things are done. And the foundation of everything we did, whether it was practice planning or before the season even started, praying over each of our players, um, prayer was the foundation of what we did. Um, giving, Surrendering things over to the Father and, and giving Him the control rather than us wanting to be in control um, was super important for how we went about everything. And for me personally, um, just getting to know the, the guys um, in June and figuring out their personalities. Um, God gave me a word or two for each of our players that I would just begin to pray over. And several players rose to maybe uh, who I'd pray for more um, just because of relationships. Um, but that's kind of how I grew in my prayer prayer life this year was um, God placing these players in my heart and praying these words or phrases of how they can grow and who they become over them throughout the year. I love seeing that too. Just you naming some specific guys and, and seeing God bring that to life after he had spoken it. So Coach Osborne, uh, you've been here now multiple years. Um, so you saw it the first year, then you, you kind of go through it and you've been through it multiple years now. What are you seeing in terms of the power of, of what we do as a staff in terms of how we pray for our God? Yeah, I think the word, and you just mentioned it, but prayer is a driver for what we're doing in this program. Um, and with that, I think First and foremost, it unites our staff as we're, we're asking, okay, what's the Lord going to do with our players, with recruits, with this program? Um, and, and as it unifies us, again, that puts us on the same page to allow us to go out and say, okay, we can act in freedom and obedience to what he's got, uh, what he's got in store for us. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, and again, I think the more you're praying and the more you're asking God to do things and whether he's answering that prayer in the moment or he's waiting for it, like you're invested in what the Lord has to do. And um, ultimately, I think you find out more and more that it that it kind of relinquishes you from being the one in control and it allows the Lord to, to take the reins and, and run with that. And I, I think Coach T mentioned it here a little bit earlier, but oftentimes we want, 
you know, our fr- frustrations, we pray that the Lord changes those people. But I think the challenge has been is how do we change our hearts and ask the Lord, hey, what is it that you have for us? Rather than, than changing the, the individual, we're asking him to change us and, and lead what he has in store for, for us in the program. Coach Tanigo, there's a, uh, a tension there. Even after years of seeing God move in prayer, there's still a tendency as a leader to take control back and to, uh, to lead out of those frustrations. So what practical ways do you find to continue to put prayer at the forefront of what you're doing in leadership? Well, you're right. Prayer often runs counterintuitive, I think, to some, some of the ways I think coaches are, um, are driven and, and even just kind of how we operate. And, and Neil Young really struck a chord with me at our greater retreat last year where he asked the question, what, what if prayer actually was the most productive thing we can do? Because oftentimes as coaches, we're busybodies. We, we mark our days with how productive we are. And that's basically measured by the things that we do. And, and Neil talked about what if prayer actually was a very productive endeavor? What if we believe that? Well, obviously we would start there. So I've just been challenged to start and end my day with prayer. It's the first thing I do. I'm, I'm, I'm withholding going to my phone. I'm withholding doing emails. I'm, I'm putting off social media because at the end of my day, at the end of the day, the last thing I see and the first thing I see are going to really form who I become. And if, if prayer and God's word are those portions of those days, then I think I'm going to become somebody who's, who's, who's giving value to the kingdom rather than, than the worldly ways. Last thing, Coach Tonegal. So we walk out of this prayer meeting. We all see this vision for Tanner and we believe God has spoken. This is who Tanner is going to become. But it doesn't happen in that moment. There's frustration along the way. And we're going to hear Tanner's stories, the ups and downs, but how ultimately this word came to life in him. So how do you take that forward and say, God spoke this. I see this happening, but now we have to get there in some way. How does prayer become practical and real in a, in a day-to-day life of a leader? Yeah, I mean, prayer, prayer poses that conundrum I think we find ourselves in. Like how much of it's God's work and how much of it's mine? Like I'm called to pray. And then am I supposed to sit back and, you know, God's just going to unleash this freedom in Tanner? Or how do I join that work that he's called me to participate in? And I think we just kind of set our hearts in line with that. We daily started walking with Tanner, challenging Tanner. It doesn't mean it was easy. We had some ups and downs. I think you're going to hear from Tanner about some of those downs. Um, but the cool part was we weren't leading this thing, uh, but we were participating in it. And eventually... Uh, man, by the end of the year, I think prayer was was the fuel and was what really changed his entire year. And I think the trajectory that he left Indiana Wesleyan with. And as listeners tune in throughout the season and hear Tanner's story from how he ended up here all the way to how he finished, they're going to see how prayer played such a practical, influential role in who he became. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture and a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.ins.com 
mgt.com. Now back to the second half. Welcome back to the second half. We're joined by senior Tanner Rubio. Uh, Tanner, we're just going to kind of walk through your story about how you ended up in Indiana Wesleyan. Um, certainly not the typical journey to arrive here, heading into your senior year being from Florida. So let's just go back to that time, that first phone call we had where there was an instant connection uh, just about what we were passionate about and where you were at in your journey. Go back to that time and just tell listeners about where you were, you were at. Yeah. Um, i say where I was at individually it was not, not the best place <laughs> possible. And I was kind of just looking for like, a new beginning. And um, I remember when uh, Coach Beret came up to me in his office and he said, hey, I got a school out in Indiana for you. You know, it's an NAIA school. And I was like, Indiana? I want want no part of that. Uh, And he said, just trust me. Like, give him a call. I'm like, I'm good friends with the assistant there. I I promise you'll love it. So, you know, uh, you ended up calling me that night. And it was just, it was a conversation I'll never forget. That's for sure. Um, I remember it was like a few days uh, before my birthday. And you basically just said, hey, we're going to get you on a visit up here. Just... We just want to have you up here on campus. Just come look at it, be with the guys, and you know nothing. You know nothing's guaranteed. And um, I, I was very reluctant because I want, like, I was very close-minded about it. And the rest of the conversation you and I just talked about, basically, are just like where we were at spiritually. And you said you totally understood where I was at from a basketball standpoint. You said, like, hey, your statistics are, have gone down every single year, and I don't see you as, you know, I don't see you as your production. I see you as, you know, Tanner Rubio. And, like, that was exactly what I was looking for in a coach. And the second I stepped foot on campus and you had me on there, I was just, it was just, I was, literally God was at the foothold of every single situation. I remember the call from Coach Beret because he just said, you know, Tanner just seems, uh, he needs a new start. Um He's a really good player. He's kind of lost confidence. He's lost his love of the game. Um, and even in conversation with you, as, as we went through it, it, it was clear that um, you were looking for something more out of basketball. And we see that such a tendency when guys start to place their identity in success. Often uh, performance goes down. So, so maybe before we get into what happened uh, in your story here, uh, what were the biggest things you learned in your last stop that really apply to the rest of your life in terms of identity and, and what you're really seeking? Right. So naturally, you know, coming out of high school, I wanted to play Division One basketball and I kind of fulfilled that dream. And basketball has always kind of, you know, been there for me. I mean, for a lot of kids, like especially in high school and middle school, basketball can be used as an outlet of emotion um, just because of like how accessible it is so like every time you know something happens in a house or everything something happens in life that you know discourages them basketball has always kind of been there so I was able that was able to be my outlet for my entire life and it just brought me a sense of joy just like no other um like no matter what was happening in life basketball was just always there for me and then it got to a point where in college where it kind of changed I felt like basketball wasn't what it used to be for me. I ended up putting my identity in my performance as opposed to remembering why I play the game in the first place. And it was, 
it's amazing to see when you put your identity in something for so long and it doesn't give back, you start to question who you are. And then you start to make, in turn, you start to make decisions that don't represent you at all. So it's, it was definitely the biggest thing I've learned was to keep my identity out of basketball and keep it in Christ because at the end of the day, you know, we are human and we're like, we're not going to be able to fill ourselves. And in that process, I just remember like in games, I was always trying to play for the coach's approval. Like I want him to, to know how good I'm doing, to how good I'm playing. And it just, it never translated. And eventually I just, I ended up losing who I was in my identity. Basketball was just no longer fun for me. Well, one of the things I remember is we, we weren't out looking for a, a, a player, especially not a guard. Um, but we pray every day as a staff about recruiting. And I remember calling Coach Tonigal and saying, hey, here's who it is. I know we don't need a guard. And we just kind of looked and Coach said, listen, dude was all Atlantic Sun freshman team. He scored 31 a game in a game as a freshman. Um, he shot 50% from three. Like, He's got to be able to play. He's got to have something in him. So don't close the door yet. Let's just keep praying. Let's keep moving forward. And every single conversation, there was just this shared connection, our passion for the I Am Third Life, um, just where you were at, how it intersected with our team. And then it ended up with you being here. And I remember the first time that you played with our guys. Um, It's a moment I'll never forget in coaching because you came and you just played this phenomenal open gym. And I'm standing at midcourt. And all of a sudden, I get a bear hug from you from behind. Um, and you're just crying. Uh, and I was like, man, what is, what's going on? And you just said, man, I just, I'm not sure I ever thought I'd have this much fun playing again. Go back to that moment and even the month of June and how you, you started to find your love for the game again. Yeah, I was, I was, in, a, like, I was in a horrible place. Like before, before I committed to you guys, I, um, I was going to quit basketball altogether. Um, during that transfer process, I, I honestly just told myself every day, I want no part of this. Like this game has done nothing but drain me, you know, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Like I, I lost all sense of purpose for why I was playing the game. And, you know, the second, you know, I stepped foot on that court again, I was extremely out of shape. I just remember breathing. <laughs> I couldn't breathe during the game, but I was like, I'm having so much fun. I don't want to show them that I'm tired. But um, I remember in that scrimmage over the summer, we, every every single one of those dudes on that court would just they. I would miss a shot, and they'd say, "Hey, shoot the next one," or I, I'd turn the ball over, and they'd say, "Hey, make that same pass like again, like it's there." And it was such a different environment to you know, you're not celebrating failure, but you're knowing that you know everyone around you believes in you that you can do something, then you start to believe in yourself, which the proof is in the pudding. Like you're going to be able to accomplish things you never imagined. Like you're constantly pushing yourself to do things, you know, that are more harder, outlandish, and you're becoming a better player and teammate because of it. And I remember after that game, I just, I was like, this is what, you know, I've been wanting for three years to play college basketball. Like, and I look at you, I'm like, this is the guy that made it happen. And I was like, like, I love this guy. <laughs> and I just, and, and I, just I just hugged you. I was like, I mean, gosh, I can't believe I was able to play basketball like that again. Like, I really just, I never saw it happening ever again. And 
It, you, were, you were able to help out with that. In the, in the first half, um, the coaching staff just shared about this prayer time where we all just kind of got this vision from God about you playing with freedom, really playing unconsciously. Um, but, you know, when you have patterns built up over time of maybe not playing in freedom, it doesn't happen in a moment. Just because you want to be free of something doesn't mean it happens immediately. Uh, but that day kind of gave us a picture of who you could become as we continue to peel back these layers of the fear or the ways that you were playing for the wrong reasons. Um, as you were going through that month, what was your vision for the type of impact you could have on the team and, and what the season could be for you? Yeah, well, uh, honestly, at first it was kind of selfish <laughs> because, you know, naturally I had this ego that, you know, I'm, oh, I'm this division one kid and, you know, I'm coming down to this NAIA school and I, you know, I feel like I can dominate. And it, it was amazing how, it not only from the coaching staff and the players, but even God, you know, took me through a, a season of humility where I had to change my attitude, you know, because um, like just going through that process, it was not easy at all because I'm trying to adapt and become one with the team. And I had my own like selfish agenda on the side and I had to lose that because it wouldn't translate to us winning. So I remember just multiple occasions, like just having accountability through the coaches, like coach, uh, coach Tonegal just saying like, Hey, like, I think you're a great player, but you know, you have to become us. Right. Like, and you mentioned, I remember on the bus ride, uh, after, um, we played Madonna, you said like, look, the second you become us and, and as opposed to us becoming you is the second we will become more successful. And like that night I was just like, I was in prayer and just said like, like God just, give me the humility I need to where, you know, I can be a part of this team. And like, that was just an ongoing process throughout the entire year, honestly. And, and we're going to hear more about that specific story coming up in episode six, because it's really remarkable how God took you through this journey. You came in June, you played with this freedom. We saw a vision. And then even in the preseason, uh, you were playing at a high level. You were in the starting lineup in the alumni game. You had nine assists in the first half. And then you broke your hand. And in, in episode six, we're going to go into more detail about the, the struggles you went through with the broken hand when basketball was taken away, uh, families taken away. Um, but, but before we get there, just talk about the preseason, what you were noticing from the team. What was it like to be part of this environment, even though at that time you didn't know what it truly meant to fully die to yourself on the team? Right. Yeah, like I said uh... – like naturally I had this own like selfish agenda and it's like it's amazing when you enter an environment full of guys who genuinely have one love for one another how you look around and you you kind of feel convicted in a way and you're like like man why am I so selfish because everybody here is just selfless and you know they don't care about their own individual success they actually have like true love for the guy to their left and right to where they want them to be successful and just spending more and more time around that environment just kind of opened my eyes to where I want to be just like them. And that's why I think it was, it was very unique to have, you know, the kind of senior leadership this year that we had because it was able to speak life into freshmen, upcoming freshmen who ended up being big parts of our team that entire year because they were, they were learning how to have, you know, that I am third mindset to where, you know, I'm going to genuinely be happy for this guy's success and in turn, it's going to give yourself freedom. 
And I, that's a, that's exactly what it did for me because I remember, you know, whenever Kanan would hit three, I would I would go nuts. And then in turn, I start playing well, and I don't even I don't even realize it because I'm too busy celebrating Seth dunking on someone's head. So it's like it's like it's amazing how that process. And, and, and especially in life, you know, I kind of learned about it in life. It's like the more, the less you think about yourself, the act, the more joy you actually have because you're starting to realize that, you know, the people around you can have such a positive effect on you as a person. And definitely going through that preseason, um, just learning that, like it, it all happened so quickly. It's just, it's, it, and so naturally it was just such a great environment to be around because everybody's just so positive to one another. And and we'll hear more of this story. It's in episode seven where t- we get this vision from the Lord for Tanner. He gets a vision for what it could become. But in episode seven, we're going to talk through some of the struggles and, and challenges that it took in the first semester to actually get to that point by the end of the year. On the next episode, you'll hear from Coach Hudson Welty on the rigors of the preseason and ultimately how the hardships and struggles the team faced early became stepping stones for growth over the course of the year. You also get the perspective of a few players as they share about the grind of what can often be one of the most difficult months of a long college basketball season. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWUHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWUHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.